0: A lot of us don't really think that we're in business development, but I would say that we all are in business development.
1: I'm Salisa Steele.
2: I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 348, which features a conversation with Sean Soth. Sean serves as president of High Fidelity Group and also chairs the Leadership Advisory Board for Professionals for Association Revenue, or PAR for short. PAR is a professional member organization that works to support and connect association teams to the ideas and applications needed to grow revenue. PAR's mission is to inspire revenue growth for association professionals through knowledge, resources, and community. Sean and Jeff talk about PAR's origins and mission, revenue generation, revenue diversification, and the growing importance and relevance of the business development role in associations and other learning businesses. Jeff and Sean spoke in February 2023, and the conversation starts with Sean talking about how Professionals for Association Revenue got its start. Mm-hmm.
0: is really a passion to find and connect with other professionals that also do association revenue building and business development it just was not a place and while there were uh, there are and exists some amazing business development training or association culture training association leadership training i just never could find a place where both those areas or competencies mixed. And that's what we've tried to do with PAR. So PAR was created in 2019 with about six or seven like-minded association professionals, other folks that do tremendous work in their own industries and organizations to kind of move the needle on revenue and bring together or align, I guess, business competencies with the association's mission.
2: And so, you've built this entire organization, Professionals for Association Revenue, around the the need for revenue generation, the the role of business development, I mean, do you feel like business development is playing a more important role in the association world than it has in the past, and maybe in the membership world in general, And, and if so, I mean, why has that evolved to play more of a role than maybe it did, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago?
0: If you think of it like a bell curve, Jeff, I would say that the role of the association business developer is really still on the, the starting point of the mm. curve. We're still climbing up. And the reason that the that we're lagging behind is the association models. We put a lot of energy and priority in the ongoing sustainable revenue streams that have always existed. So member attendance at conferences and education, all areas of growth and opportunity. But non dues or the idea that there could be other enterprise-wide impact for your association, that's sort of beginning to take a little bit more shape in the book before and in the wake of the pandemic. You have a business interruption that really shook many associations, some to the point where they haven't recovered or may not recover. Despite that, there is this Wonderful opportunity to understand what the maybe the corporate side or other industries are doing to become sustainable. How can associations begin to take steps to move from just planning and sort of going through the same ideations, maybe reinvented here and there over the course of time, to a real strategic plan? That allows their industries and markets to sort of get the association they deserve. There are opportunities for corporations and sponsors and partners to be involved with the associations that really just haven't. We have. We we're only tapping the glass on in the most in most cases on what associations are doing to engage that part of their audience. The other side of that is workforce. Jeff, do the teams that we have are they? Whether you're outsourcing that that function, of business development, or it's in-house, do they have the support they need to move the needle in a unique way? If you got 10% more out of your revenue programs moving into next year, what would that mean for your organization? What would that mean for bonuses to current staff, new programs, new ideas for membership? maybe giving scholarships. There's so many opportunities that prioritizing the strategy behind business development really allows. And those are some of the things that we're seeing beginning to take shape. I'd say we're just at the start.
2: And I have to assume, you can tell me if this assumption is wrong, that there is probably a hunger out there right now for revenue diversification. I think a lot of membership organizations have seen maybe some decline in in membership numbers or some concern that maybe, you know, rising generations aren't going to be as interested in sort of traditional membership models. Obviously with the pandemic coming along that, you know, the annual event is the cash cow for a lot of organizations. And that was suddenly maybe not completely taken away, but severely damaged there for a couple of years. And now we're having to recover and rethink. So I imagine people were kind of jarred into thinking, we really have to think about uh, having a more diverse portfolio and in other ways to make sure that we are sustainable as an organization.
0: hundred percent. We were just getting started. We launched in January 20 ourselves. And our whole goal was to have a meeting to bring people together that year. And uh, by March, we to rethink everything and I would say that diversification that you mentioned is is real and I think a lot of associations have a long searched for new ways to generate revenue what we hope to do is begin to understand not just what could be diversified but how and why how do we do it how do we make sure that we're supporting that business development function and is business development not just a singular activity in one or two people or a team of folks, but what does it mean for the entire organization to be forward thinking about its association business? Those are things that I think you're gonna see a big shift in over the next five to 10 years in the association space. We've got to stay competitive because many of our corporate folks in the market are looking for new ways to invest their dollars. They're always you know hear the uh, ROI acronym all the time. And associations, we just haven't had the ability to provide them—not all the time. I'm not, I'm, 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 every association is a little bit different, but large part with the um, the tools that they want for the market that they're trying to serve, and sometimes that's not just like. A diver- diversification, Jeff. It could be a changing the approach to customer service inside of your organization or association. It could mean instead of one person managing exhibit contracts, what what if you had a whole new customer experience? Uh, mm-hmm. If the show is your sort of focal point for revenue. That allowed you to have deeper conversations with the corporate side of your market. These are just things. These are all concepts and ideas that we've touched on and being able to share uh, in the in the park community over the last couple of years.
2: So it sounds like potential for a combination of both revenue diversification, which I had uh, referred to, but also just new revenue possibilities in some of the existing models. So with membership as a, as a revenue model, how do you potentially step back and look at that a little bit differently? With a major event as a model, how do you step back and look at that a little bit differently as well? Do you find that, well, I guess culturally or operationally, however you want to look at it, what tends to be challenging about that in in your average organization? Because on the surface, that sounds, sure, let's do that. Let's look at how we might approach these old models differently. Let's look at how we develop some new models. But, you know, I don't see a lot of people in charge of business development per se within these types of organizations. Why is that and what are the challenges in this sort of becoming more part of the uh, the landscape in the association world?
0: We've all had the good fortune of age-old business models of recurring revenue streams from membership and attendance. So it makes complete sense to invest all of our energy in those areas until... They're interrupted, or until someone says, Hold on a second, if we begin to understand new ways to grow revenue instead of doing the same thing over and over again, what does that mean for our margins? What could that mean for our mission? These are just questions, I think, to really mindsets that are beginning to make their way into more and more associations. With PAR, just as an example, we did a landscape survey to kick off. Our work together. And one of the questions was, How easy is it to transact with your association? What do you think it would be? And in some cases, as we kind of got a little deeper into the question, we had some anecdotal feedback on it. And like we had one association was like 25 steps, 25 steps to send in their exhibit agreement. Another one had 14 points of data in their membership query. You know, like by 14, are you still? you got to be make sure that you're still interested. Make it easier on our customers. So there's just some business competencies to wrap around the things that associations are already doing so very well, which is bringing like-minded professionals or folks in, engaged or interested in moving the needle on some sort of mission-oriented objective. And there are ways to kind of help them grow the market that are just maybe even hidden in plain sight.
1: As someone who listens to the Leading Learning Podcast, you should know about the Leading Learning Newsletter, which you can subscribe to at leadinglearning.com slash inbox. The newsletter is inbox intelligence for learning businesses and helps you understand the latest technology, marketing, and learning trends and grow your learning business. Best of all, it's a free resource. As a subscriber, you get Leading Links, our monthly curated collection of resources to help you grow the reach Revenue and Impact of Your Learning Business. The Podcast Digest, a monthly summary of podcast episodes released during the previous month, plus periodic announcements highlighting leading learning webinars and other educational opportunities designed to benefit learning business professionals. Subscribe for free at leadinglearning.com/inbox. And if you're already subscribed, point a colleague to leadinglearning.com/inbox.
2: professionals for association revenue par you created that as a membership organization itself I mean it is an association it's a community why did you go with that model as opposed to just saying hey we just need a series of good training programs here you know education to to tell people how to do this better why create a whole organization around this concept
0: well, I think this goes down to the learning part. And in my career, I've had this like amazing good fortune. I work in life sciences which is my day-to-day association work. and But I've also worked with the association talent development and done a lot of really cool education experiences in, in that time that have helped inform my approach as a professional. The most impactful of those is just being able to engage and talk with other people who do what I do. And you know what? In large part, those would usually be commercial officers or a C suite at the corporations that we'd be selling to because they had a business focus that oftentimes was tied to training their teams and making their teams perform a little better with associations. While some of us have had sales training, I feel like the community aspect is where we learn. It's where you get to say, hey, Jeff, I've got this, I want to offer a new group membership program, but I'm challenged on the price and if we should change the features. What have you guys done? Do you know anyone that's approached it this way? We have a lot of folks in the non-dues revenue side, and a lot of times it's amazing to, to just have them talk a little bit about the challenges they face, not only externally in the market, but internally. Trying to move the needle internally is also something that we need to work on. A lot of that comes down to how we're sharing and learning with each other. And the community aspect of PAR is really what we wanted to do, because we, we just felt like training seminars, anyone can do a training seminar, anyone can do a webcast. And of course, there's varying degrees. Some people do them amazingly well. But we wanted to be able to kind of pull together people who were thought leaders in the market, thought leaders in the on on business development competency, but also people who are living in the association world every single day. How can we all tie it together and help each other? And that's why we decided to launch PAR as a for-profit association.
2: And as you've created and grown the organization, are there specific things you've had in mind and have tried to implement from a business development standpoint to really kind of reflect what you think the best practice should be in, in terms of being a, a membership organization and wanting to have this business development mindset?
0: Yes. Everything we've tried to do, like our, most of us, our day-to-day is selling large corporate memberships, partnerships, everyone on our leadership advisory board. It's some part in their career has either led business development or currently leads a team that, that does business business development and organizations of all sizes. As we've approached each new endeavor for creating value as an association, we've looked at how who's doing the best job at membership sign up. Who's doing the best job? Like what's what's a great looking event website? How can we reduce the friction needed for someone to join? If someone needs a little extra handholding and a personal touch, could we provide that? When we were just getting started, that was really hard to do. And now we, we've we grown a little bit. So we're able to meet uh, new members with a personal touch and say, let's talk through about some, is there anything else that our community can be helping you with? And we've we've really uncovered some amazing professionals along the way. Doing that, people that we get to learn about their organization and how their organization approaches business. And I'm not talking about just corporate facing things, but also like, um, how do you invest in initiatives or work streams or content that members need? So that's what we're looking at right now. To be honest, Jeff, for PAR, we're doing the same thing. We're saying, okay, what do we do to equip association workforces with business competencies and maybe short term and long term ideas? that they can begin to kind of build into their organization.
2: And I'm, I'm wondering, we've, we've touched a little bit here and there on education, events, educational events. I mean, th- those tend to be pretty bread and butter sort of offerings for uh, associations and membership organizations in general, certainly a source of revenue for those organizations. But they've experienced a lot of disruption over the last couple of years, and they were already experiencing disruption before that because of the growth of online and new competition and all sorts of stuff. I'm wondering just sort of broadly what your perspective is on the role of educational programming at this point and associations, how it fits into this potentially need for a greater emphasis on business development of being able to get, or in some cases, just sustain the revenue that you've traditionally had out of that part of what an organization can offer.
0: So from a professional development standpoint, I feel like Our associations are uniquely positioned to not only educate our members, but maybe the industry at large as well. We're seeing more industry facing programs that are meant to highlight member work, but in a way that invites industry audiences in. Think about it if you have high performing members, high performing corporate partners, and people that you work with, and we're looking to attract members that look like them and partners and corporate sponsors that look like these folks, what better way than to introduce programming in that direction? So we're seeing a little bit of a mix of non-member driven investment, just to, to people to expand their markets in the same way that corporations do. Some of our corporate partners have larger audiences than the associations they support. And they do that primarily through education that's meeting their customers with what they need. And you're seeing some associations take some really cool steps in that direction.
2: And I don't know if you're seeing this, it's something that's certainly been part of our world for years, mainly in the sense that we've been trying to encourage it. And we've definitely worked with organizations where it's becoming much more of a priority where in the past, they've typically sold to individual members in the case of like professional societies, even in trade associations, a lot of times trade associations just really weren't all that much in the education business. They were more in sort of the exhibit and trade show business at their big event. But the trades are now thinking about getting into education and the individual member organizations are thinking about business to business relationships around their education, which may be a little bit of what you were talking about there, where they're not selling just one by one to the individual member, they're going to the head of HR, whoever it is at a large organization, large company, government agency that's in their market and saying, let's engage around a training program. We've got this content, and maybe even we've got services that can go along um, with that content and and really sort of thinking differently about what they can offer with their educational portfolio. But business development is definitely a challenge there because that's different than just having somebody show up with a credit card on your site and buy a course. You know, you have to have somebody who's developing a relationship with that other organization can really take a deal through to structuring it and creating something that's beneficial for everybody involved.
0: For sure. And customized learning like that, I think has a bright future. You're seeing organizations willing to invest in keeping a business advantage of informed and an employee that's growing. So if you can be the destination for that work, fantastic. It may even just mean small incremental changes in your learning and development strategy to reach those markets. So I'm sure you guys have seen this too, but we're seeing folks develop pathways for like your experienced professional in any given market. Uh, I'll just use for for sales. Sales is an interesting competency because even the most experienced of us still have new, there's always something new coming into the market. Think about your sales team now. Three years ago, you thought they would all be online presentation experts, right? So that's just one example. How about now... How many of us are using CRMs or other comp like just different things that we're going to add into our professional tool set at any stage of our career, whether you're experienced sort of mid-level or entry and beginning, there is something to each of those paths. And I think you'll see a continuance in growth for those markets. And there are always Association's doing really cool programming in this area. It's worth finding an association mentor to help you through that, if that's something you're considering.
2: Yeah, and I think that whole concept of paths and pathways, again, is something we've been you know talking about for years. And forward-thinking organizations have been doing this. I mean, because you're really, you're serving your members of your membership organization, but you're also serving the industry or the field you focus on. And you're often in a better position as, a, as an association, as a membership organization in that field or industry to kind of see where things are headed in terms of what people need to be doing to develop in their careers, what the different paths are. And if you're able to define those and then offer the educational learning experiences that really help people walk down that path, That's valuable to the individual learner. It's also extremely valuable to the employer, particularly if you can put a credential on that and present them with an employee that they know the right one for a particular role.
0: It's true. And employers want to know solid pathways. And honestly, who's better to share that path than the industry association? I would say for us, just being a a sales professional, I always tell my team this, like, just getting started where I came from, we showed up to work before eight o'clock every day. That was just what was expected. And three days of the week, we did these tape training sessions. And one day a week, we did role play sessions, very challenging and almost kind of uncomfortable if you're not used to it. And so this was just the way that we developed. And I think about the path now, if you were to say, how do you improve your sales organization? Well, you could pick negotiation. You could pick the way you contract. You could pick your qualification or stages of engagement. The point is that there's so many different angles. You almost need to meet your individual talent where they are, and help them with the right program to to fit that. I think organizations that could work. We're, we're just getting started. We are like at ground level. At I mean, we're only a couple of years old, and we're we've been completely underwritten by our leadership advisory board. Now we're moving into sort of that next phase where we can look at some of these opportunities, right? And so one of those is just how do you begin to shift the mindset of our learners and make them into business development leaders? No matter whether they're in finance, C-suite, or they got to report to the board. By the way, association folks who may be listening to this today... Thinking, uh, well, you know, we—my job is to manage the board and the mission. You know, our, our boards are going to be beginning to require more of us from a uh, revenue innovation standpoint, and it's important to be ready for some of those ideas.
2: Yeah, definitely true. I mean, having served on it and currently serving on association boards, I know that to be true. It's part of the uh, the core conversation that's going on in boardrooms. <laughs> I wanted to be sure to mention one of the opportunities that sort of part of the overall learning experience, part of potentially the path that you may be starting to carve out for business development professionals out there in the association world. And that, that's your annual event that you were able to launch at the end of 2022, the, the Rev Up Summit. I had the opportunity to attend that. We were actually, we were sponsors of that. And I have to say, it was one of the best events I went to all year. Sort of happy to make that proclamation on air here. But I, I'd love to hear from you a little bit more about standing up that event because that was a new event. I knew you had, I think you had planned to launch it earlier that was disrupted. So, what was it like kind of getting a face to face event up and running in this, what we're sort of hopefully calling a post pandemic uh, world?
0: Well, first, I appreciate you being there. I appreciate you your sentiment, and also support of us getting started. And I guess to answer your question, we knew that there is, in some case, you have to take some risks. And this is what strategy is about. Associations a lot of times avoid that strategy, but from the get-go, our Leadership Advisory Board wanted to do an event. I wish there wasn't 24 months uh, in between, but there was. There was no other choice. And uh, what we really wanted to do was bring folks together and see what a business-focused event would look like. And it was a lot of fun, Jeff. It was awesome. I mean, certainly, I wish we had more time. There are all those things. But guess what? You sort of invest in year one so you can get to year two. Already, uh, here we are in February of 23 with registrations and uh, a handful of sponsors coming in and ready to support us for year two. So we're really excited about it. And I think the one thing I could share that a lesson for anyone out there, it is hard to find some of the business-facing folks at an association because a lot of us don't really think that we're in business development, but I would say that we all are in business development. And we just may be, the way we're positioning our, our, our information and our message may just be what's different. Putting together something that, you believe in is worth the risk, and sometimes associations. We've got some opportunities there to incubate great ideas into something substantial that makes a difference. Whether that's getting new members in the door or new attendees or what have you, and Rev Up kind of brought those thought leaders together to have those conversations and network and meet. It was a blast. We're really excited to do it again. We'll be so. You brought it up. We'll be in. Uh, <laughs> we'll be in Annapolis, Maryland, this December at the Graduate. It's a really cool space. It's intimate. So we're not looking to have a thousand. We're looking to have 200 incredible association executives in the room learning and sharing with each other this December 6th and 7th in Annapolis. And we've got an awesome program beginning to take shape and and hope that uh, more people will, will have an interest.
2: Well, hopefully uh, people listening to to this episode of the Leading Learning Podcast will take note. Kudos again. It was a good event. I thought The Graduate was a great venue too. It was the right sort of venue for that type of event. Before we wrap up, I do want to be sure to ask what I will ask most guests about on this podcast, since it is a podcast about learning. And uh, that's a bit about your own approach to lifelong learning. And I'll note that I sort of find you unique out of the gate because Really, I feel like you you created PAR as an answer to one of your own learning needs. You wanted to get this community together around this topic. But in addition to that, I mean, what kinds of learning experiences or habits and practices do you engage in to continue your own development professionally and personally?
0: I would say that I took it for granted, Jeff, for a long time. Um, And maybe some folks that are listening or would work with, Maybe you guys are in the same boat. It wasn't until I started working with the Association for Talent Development at one point, I was like, there are these resources and look how organizations are investing in their team. We did a lot of tactical sales development, which was incredibly important, incredibly important. how you had to engage and learn from customers, but in terms of becoming more of a leader and ex- being curious, we needed to stretch that a little bit. And ATD did that for me, just exposing me to some new ideas. You're 100% right, uh, Guilty. I think that HAR is sort of this offshoot of an idea that it would be awesome to create business development leaders or leaders who understand business development, depending on what hat you wear. And what better way than to share with each other? One thing that I would say we do with our team that is stuck. So during the pandemic, we all get broken up. Like everybody's sent home. I have this like really, I, in fact, I just tossed it. Like I was just, like, it's time to get rid of this. I had a calendar, Jeff, with like this March of 2020. Right. And it was like a date circled. and It was like, I think it was the 15th. This is it where it, we'll see you guys. We'll see you guys in a week. And that became, you know, a, a, whatever it became. Well, to, to stay engaged, we, as a team, we each picked a book that we wanted to read, like a like a, a professional development book, Good to Great, Made to Stick, The Power of Regret, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, Tipping Point, all these books, like, you've seen them on shelves everywhere, but we decided we would grab one, buy it for the team, and then each week we tackled like two chapters. I got to tell you, it's been awesome. So two and a half years later, we're all still, we're now back in the office, and We're flexible, but we still do the book club, and every Monday we share what we learned out of two chapters. Just starting with the simplest of steps like that, creating just a little routine, if you can, to improve, has made all all the difference. And um, we found some amazing folks along the way. Some of the folks you met at Rev Up, who were authors that we read along the way, and we're like, man, do you think they'd ever be interested in speaking to association folks about what they do? And turns out they loved it. So anyway, I, I would highly recommend uh, grabbing on to something you can make routine. And for us, it was uh, the idea around uh, the books.
2: That's good. That's great. I love that. I encourage every organization, whether it's a book or whether it's perhaps listening to a podcast episode collectively and, uh, and discussing it, uh, but there, there are all, sort, all sorts of ways you can do that. So that's a, just a fantastic practice. So thanks. Thanks for sharing that.
1: Sean Soth is president of High Fidelity Group and chairman of the Leadership Advisory Board for Professionals for Association Revenue. You'll find links to the PAR site, High Fidelity site, and Sean's profile on LinkedIn in the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com episode 348.
2: At leadinglearning.com slash episode 348, you'll also find options for subscribing to the podcast. If you haven't yet, Salise and I'd be truly grateful if you would rate the Leading Learning podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, especially if you find the show valuable because those ratings help us show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. Go to leadinglearning.com slash Apple to leave a rating and hopefully five stars.
1: And please spread the word about leading learning. You can do that in a one-on-one conversation with a colleague or a personal note, or you can do it through social media. In the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 348, you'll find links to connect with us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook.
2: Thanks for listening and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.